Hello and welcome to the Fit and Free podcast. This is a podcast for women who want it all, to feel strong and confident in their bodies, as well as enjoying a sneaky mug on a Friday night. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist here to teach you how to achieve your body goals without food and your body controlling your life. So let's jump in. If you don't have your period and the doctor has told you to either go on the pill or just gain some weight to get your period back, then get ready to take some notes. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Fit and Free Potty. Today, I've got such a good episode for you guys, and we are going to be breaking down hypothalamic amenorrhea. We're going to be talking about what the heck it is, how it's diagnosed, what its cause is, and if you don't know my personal story at all, if you're new here, hello. But I actually had hypothalamic amenorrhea for three years, meaning I didn't have my period. And these exact things happened to me. Went to the doctor and I got told just to go on the pill, gain some weight. However, was that helpful information? No. So buckle up, get ready, and let's jump into it. So I'm not dissing the medical system at all. I think GPs are very, very important in anyone's treatment plan in any sort of medical condition. However, If it's not the doctor's special interest in terms of like female hormones, reproductive system and all of that, then they might not understand that going on the pill is not actually a cure for hypothalamic amenorrhea. And going on the pill is literally one of the biggest mistakes that people are making to get their period back because you're not actually addressing the root cause of the problem. And the problem is, is that this decrease in estrogen is what we see in hypothalamic amenorrhea can negatively impact so many internal processes, such as our cardiovascular health, our bone density, our psychological health, and of course, fertility consequences, which I'll be talking about in today's episode, because guys, this is something that you really need to know and understand. So let's start off in what the hell is functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. So what it is, it's a common form of secondary amenorrhea resulting in an estrogen deficiency in young premenopausal women. It's a disorder that results from the suppression of the hypothalamic pituitary ovian axis due to psychological stress, excessive exercise, undereating, or a combination of all of these factors. What this then leads to is a loss of estrogen, which has profound effects on many systems throughout the entire body, including the ones I mentioned just above. People don't realize that it's a problem because you can't see the problems. You can't see what it's doing to your cardiovascular health. You can't see what it's doing to your bone density. You can't see what it's doing on the inside. So we just go about our day. We treat it as like, oh yeah, I don't have my period. That's whatever. That's okay. It's kind of convenient if I don't have my period. And this is why we need to talk about it more. Because it's actually impacting your health so much more than what people think. 
So a lot of people that I've spoken to and myself included, and again, I'm not bashing the medical system. I think it's very valuable and we can utilize it so much. But what happens is most women who present to their medical provider it's with a diagnosis of HA are prescribed oral contraceptive therapy. The thing is, while the use of the pill and estrogen replacement will absolutely provide a withdrawal bleed, it will give you a period, it's not intended to support bringing estrogen back up into its normal state. Because the thing is that if you go to the doctor, get on the pill, and you're not fixing your under-eating, you're not fixing your excessive exercise, and you're not fixing your psychological stress, then your hormones aren't going back into a healthy state. Because the thing is, is that this excessive exercise, this under-eating and this psychological stress, it's putting your body in a low energy availability state. And what that means is that there is not enough energy left to support physiological functions needed to maintain optimal health. And the thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize is that you don't necessarily have to look like super, super small and skinny and have super, super low amounts of body fat to put your body in this low energy availability state. I remember going to the doctor and being like, myself included, I was like, I'm not at a really low body fat percentage. Of course, a little bit of body dysmorphia as well. Like, let's not lie about that. However, like I didn't look like that I needed to put on weight to get it back. The difference is that we really need to realize that you can be in a low energy availability state in any body type, at any body weight, because it's literally you're not eating enough to cover your metabolic needs. And that can happen to anyone at any stage of their journey. So I am just going to talk about specific hormones as well, just for a little bit, just to really educate you guys on what's really going on. So the mechanism of HA is due to the suppression of gonadotropin-releasing hormone in the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis resulting in low follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone being released from the anterior pituitary. Due to this impaired feedback mechanism, the ovarian granulosa cells do not receive a signal to produce estradiol. Therefore, the endometrial thickening does not occur during the follicular phase, resulting in amenorrhea. Because we're lacking the signals, what happens is our uterus doesn't create the lining to then have that natural period. The diagnosis of HA is defined as amenorrhea for at least three consecutive months. So not having your period for three months in a row. With estradiol levels being below 50 pg per mil, follicular stimulating hormone levels below 10, and luteinizing hormone level below 10 as well. With the exclusion of other etiologies, including other pathologies such as thyroid dysfunction, PCOS, premature ovarian insufficiency, and there is a few more as well that I'm not going to specifically go into, and this is where you can talk to your doctor about it. So this is where it's really, really important to have a really good conversation with your doctor to get a good diagnosis of it. 
getting your hormones tested is such a good place to start just to know what your estradiol is sitting at because that will give you a really good implication to see if it is hypothalamic amenorrhea, okay? And guys, like this is what you really, really need to know is that HA has been linked to several health conditions, including cardiovascular disease, bone loss, and psychological issues. At a vascular level, estrogen mediates inflammation, oxidative stress, and over the long term, estrogen increases endothelial cell growth and inhibits smooth muscle cell proliferation. Prior research from the Nurses' Health Study of over 82,000 women that self-reported menstrual cycle history demonstrated that the more irregular the menstrual cycle in young women was, the greater the risk of future cardiovascular disease events up to a 50% increase. Estrogen deficiency also significantly affects our bone status. This one holds a close place in my heart because before I started coaching online, I used to work in a physio practice where I was seeing women who were coming in with osteoporosis. So if you're not sure what osteoporosis is, that is a condition where your bones are literally decreasing density. So you're at much higher risk of fracturing your bones. And really like talking through their history and what they've done over the years with their diet and exercise routines, it was so common that they had some sort of disordered eating, under eating episodes in their life. Estrogen significantly affects bone status and it serves as a key factor in regulating adequate bone metabolism in the skeletal system. So not having the estrogen is going to affect the bone remodeling and the bone production is actually suppressed. So it's really important to talk about. And then the other thing that we really need to speak to that you guys really need to know is that while psychological stress can be the result of HA, this relationship is actually bi-directional in that HA greatly impacts the psychological status of affected individuals. It has been reported in research studies that people with HA have significantly higher depression scores, greater anxiety, and increased difficulty coping with daily stress as compared to healthy controls. Women with HA also have more dysfunctional attitudes and like... (laughs) Literally, as I read all this stuff out, I'm like, oh my God, I used to do all of these things. So if you're here, I fully see you in it because it's freaking hard. Research also shows that people with HA also have more perfectionistic behaviors. Hello, I am a recovering perfectionist and I didn't realize how much it was really impacting me until I really started building self-awareness in around it. And I'm like, oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. So attitudes such as this perfectionism behavior and extra attention to the judgment of others in comparison to people that don't have HA. So we struggle, right? We struggle with things needing to be a certain way. We struggle with other people judging us and owning our own worth and who we are and trying to mold ourselves into something that we're not. But in doing that, we're really, you know, putting our body in such an unhealthy state. And then last, of course, we have to talk about eating disorders such as binge eating has also been noted a lot in people with HA. 
due to the psychological fixation on appearance. So now we know the consequences and now we know why it's happening. I want to talk to the piece of like what the hell to do to do about it. So of course the aim of HA treatment is to reestablish a regular menstrual cycle. And how you do that is we have to increase our estrogen naturally in the body. So we know the cause of being psychological stress, excessive exercise or disordered eating under fueling. So what do we have to do? We have to manage all of those three things. The thing is with HA, it's not a one size fits all approach because not every single person is struggling with all three things. Maybe some people it's just nutrition that they have to fix up. Maybe it's some people it's just really learning how to manage stress and calming the body. For some people, maybe it's changing up your exercise, right? So it's really, really important to be working with an allied health professional as well as your GP. So you are making sure that you're doing the right treatment for you. I'm personally going to talk to you guys how I got my period back. And the thing is, is this is not how you have to do it. This is not what you should do. You really need to be talking to your doctor and really making sure it's the right diagnosis and then working with a allied health professional that knows what they're talking about. I want to share with you guys how I got it back just to give you some tips and maybe some help so that you can start your journey as well. So it's actually quite funny that I'm recording this episode now because I literally tried to get my period back in May three years ago. So that's when I started. Three years ago, pretty much today, I hit rock bottom. This was the period after I went through a hectic, crazy challenge, a 12-week challenge where I wanted to change my body composition. I wanted to change my stomach so bad because I hated it so much. And this is where I worked with an online coach where I was following like a super strict meal plan. I was eating, I can't remember how many calories I was eating, but I was like like super strict perfectionist, sticking to it to a T. And then I was training a lot. I was, you know, I was doing four strength sessions a week. I was going for runs outside of my strength training sessions because I didn't think that the strength training sessions were enough. So my body was absolutely in a low energy availability state. I couldn't stop thinking about food. I was constantly hungry. I would eat a meal and then I would one hour later be like ravenously hungry again. And then I'll be like crying literally to myself being like, why the hell am I still hungry? I just ate. Like what the hell is happening? I remember waking up and looking at myself in the mirror. I took a photo of myself and I was like, I was just so unhappy with the way that I was living and the way that I looked. I was fragile. I didn't have any strength. I had no energy. I was moody AF. Oh my God. My social life was shit because I was just too afraid to go anywhere and see anyone and eat anything. I was so isolated and I was so alone. And that's the thing with this. It's like, yes, we're so fixated on our bodies and what we look like, but it's like, how is this actually really impacting us? And I want to share with this with you guys, and I don't talk about it often, but like, One of the reasons why I personally got help is because it was really affecting my relationship with Niels. It was really affecting my relationship intimately and just as an overall because I was so insecure about my body and how I looked. I I couldn't show up 
like I wanted to with confidence in the bedroom, you know? So it was like something that I would often avoid. I would, you know, get angry at him to try to cook me a meal and I would be so irrational and moody because I wasn't eating enough. And the thing is, is that like he couldn't handle it anymore. So he's like, Loz, you got to get help. And I was like, I couldn't handle it anymore either because living through it is so hard. And it's like, yes, to fix it is, I would say, even harder. But on the other side of it now, holy shit, I wish I fixed it 10 years ago. Because how I feel right now is so confident in my body. I am so strong. I have so much freedom in my life in terms of food, in terms of going out and enjoying myself without stressing about food all the time, stressing about my body, feel so good in myself. But I wouldn't have been able to get there if I didn't go through that this healing journey that I'm going to speak to today. So hitting rock bottom, I reached out for help. This is actually the second coach that I have ever invested in. I have now invested like in so many coaches. I always have a coach. I've like, yeah, just once you invest in coaching and it realizes how much you gain from it, it's absolutely transformational. My life has completely changed. But investing in this first coach was fucking terrifying. For so long, I was like, I can do this myself. I've got this. <laughs> I don't need anyone. I'd be constantly like looking at this particular person's page, like reading through their um, the website and being like, oh, I really want to work with them, but I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of reaching out for help. I'm so afraid of what this person is going to think of me for like what I'm doing right now to my body. So there was a lot of ego involved, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, I fucking can't handle this anymore. I literally can't. So I reached out for help. I got help from an exercise physiologist as well. Um, obviously because I'm an exercise physicist as well. I just, I could connect with her. She knew a lot about it. She knew what I had to do. So that was really good. So then that really started my journey of getting my period back. So how I did it was, first of all, I got external help with an ex-phys. And what we did, we worked together with my GP. And first of all, we did all my hormone testing. In May, 2020, my estradiol was so low that it didn't even record it on the test. It was like negative 43 something. I went back in December and I hadn't got my period back yet, but I definitely like had signs and symptoms of it. Um, when I got my results back in December, my estradiol had risen to 390. So that was a seven month difference of eating a shit ton of food and really reducing my exercise, of course, which I'll go into, but we had a significant increase in my estrogen. I think it was like maybe two weeks later is then when I did get my period back. And it's so funny because like I am literally sitting here and it's day one of my period. I have my period right now. I was like, this is a sign from the universe that I should be sitting here recording this episode for you guys. Sorry, I just have to set up. So this is the thing, right? Like you see it on social media all the time. When you want to get your period back, I completely get it. Like you're in such in a vulnerable state and you're like trying to do everything that you can in order to get it back. I was the same. I signed up for acupuncture before I even considered thinking about my nutrition and exercise routine. I signed up and I invested in all these herbs as well that my acupuncturist told me that I had to do. I was like drinking this mud stuff because that's in my head. I was like, yeah, well, this is going to help. When I wasn't even thinking about and changing what I was eating, 
How are you going to get your period back if your body is in a low energy availability state and you're still not eating enough? It's not going to work. So that's the thing is the first thing that I did was I looked at my nutrition with my coach. I learned how to fuel my body correctly with carbs, fats, and proteins because at the time my meals would look like a whole heap of veggies, so many vegetables and like some protein. I would always fill up on the low calorie vegetables so I could eat so much, not feel bad about it. So I wouldn't feel guilty for feeling full, just constantly filling myself up on these low calorie foods. So what I had to do was swap out my meals for, okay, I need something with a carbohydrate source or rice, something with a fat source, some avo, something with a protein source. So like chicken, teriyaki chicken, and then a little bit of salad on the side. Still there, still keep it, of course, like we're here for the veggies, but the meal composition just had to be changed. I actually ate in a calorie surplus. Because what happened to me personally is like my body was in a low, low energy availability state. I had to make up for all the restriction that I had put it through over the three years. Like we're talking about chronic restriction for a really long period of time. And it's the reason why it takes so long to get it back and why I had to eat in a calorie surplus. Because literally you have to heal your body again. You literally have to heal from the inside out and the body needs all these extra calories in order to do that. I personally experienced extreme hunger, like extreme. Like I would eat breakfast and it would be a huge brekkie with oats and fruit and cheese seeds and peanut butter and all of the fats, all of the carbs and protein as well. One hour later, we're freaking starving again. Of course, it was so emotionally hard because it's like, what the fuck? Like, I just ate all this food. How can I still be hungry? And of course, the voice of fear of weight gain. I don't want to do this because I'm so deeply rooted afraid of gaining weight. But the thing I had to keep going back to is that my body is not in a healthy state. I'm unhealthy with what I'm doing right now. Why is gaining weight worse than putting your body in this unhealthy state of being? And I knew it wasn't going to be forever. But during those moments of, I remember like crying and from how hungry I was and it was so hard because it really truly is like you're telling someone for their whole life who has struggled with body image to eat more and exercise less and expect them to be emotionally okay like no that's literally telling them to number one to do the opposite thing that they've done their whole life And number two, there's someone who's so terrified of weight gain that doing these things is so counterproductive. But the thing is that, like I already said, on the other side, your life is transformed. So my extreme hunger, like at the beginning, it was so bad. But then eventually, as I ate and ate and ate, <laughs> because that's what you have to do, you have to acknowledge your hunger, you have to eat and eat and eat. And then eventually, I started to feel full. And I was like, oh, what is this feeling that I haven't felt in like three years? When you chronically restrict 
when you, you know, when you're not eating carbohydrates, when you're constantly listening to the voice in your head telling you that you can't eat unless it's a certain time, you can't eat because of what you had for breakfast and all the other mental restriction and rules that you might have is you lose touch with your hunger and fullness cues. And for someone who hasn't experienced something like this, they just might not understand, but literally like I didn't know what it felt like to be hungry and I literally did not know what it felt like to be full. My body was so confused. So when I got this feeling of fullness, I was like, whoa, this is cool. However, not going to lie to you, it freaked me the F out. I was like, oh my God, I've eaten too much. This feeling of fullness means I've eaten too much because I never feel like this. So this is a bad thing. When in reality, just something that I hadn't felt in a very long time. So I was like, it freaked me out. It's like, this is what you're meant to feel like. This is normal. So eventually, once I was eating, 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 eating all the foods, I really got back in touch with my hunger and fullness cues. The other thing that I had to do here is I really worked on my relationship with food. This was the prime time to heal everything. I ate whatever I wanted when I wanted it. Yes, I still kept in the back of my mind of like, you know, balancing my plate, making sure I'm still eating vegetables. But for me, like I wasn't eating bad foods. Like there's no way I would eat mayo. There's no way I would add oil to my dinner. There's no way I would have, you know, like I said, already add rice to my meals. No way I would have brownies in the middle of the week. Like those sort of foods and like chips and lollies and everything, like those were only for the weekend. I couldn't have that during the week. And all of these rules is I had to get rid of them. Because it's this mental restriction that was causing my binge eating. It was causing my all or nothing mentality. It was causing me to be stuck with my body composition goals because I would constantly be losing control or overeating and then going back to restriction. So this phase of the journey is really tough. It really is of healing your food rules, getting comfortable with food again, because what I had to do was build safety with food. I had to slowly, slowly eat all these things and be like, whoa, uh, hang on a minute. I'm actually fine. This is actually not making me gain weight. This is okay. So it's tough. That's why it's so important to have some external help helping you like a coach or something like that so that you have support because this is a emotional journey. Let me say that. Okay. So nutrition, eating a lot (laughs) and When I say a lot, I mean a lot. I was eating easily over 2,500 calories, like really easily. So, And that's the thing with like how much you should be eating to get your period back. It it all depends on you and where you're at in your journey. And the thing is, is that like what you have to do is you have to be in a surplus of energy. You have to be in not in a low energy availability state anymore to get your period back. Simply, you can't be in a calorie deficit. You can't be eating 1,600 calories and expect to get your period back. That's not how it's going to work. You need to be eating at least maintenance and if not, like running in like a – you don't have to be in a small surplus. You could be in like a 10% surplus, fine, but it's just making sure you've got an abundance of energy to making sure that you're kickstarting those metabolic processes. The next thing was exercise that I want to speak to. And for me, I was – I had all three gone wrong, really. So let's just put it that way. My exercise routine was guilty of having rest days. I, yeah, you know, training 
at least every day I used to manage my stress with HIT. Like I would be feeling really angry. I'd feel really stressed. And what would I do? I would go and exercise. And like in my head, I was like, oh, this is healthy. Like we know there are so many studies now that exercise is a prescription for people with mental health conditions like depression and anxiety. But there's a difference between having a healthy level of exercise, a healthy relationship with exercise and an unhealthy relationship with exercise, a.k.a. training every day, training because you hate your body and putting your body through absolute turmoil in order to change it. That's when we red flags, right? Right there. So that was me. That's exactly what I was doing. I was constantly like trying to burn as many calories as possible. Like I was looking at my Garmin watch at the time and I was like, oh, my God, I've only burnt X amount of calories today. I need to do more. I need to go for a run. I need to go do a hit session at the group gym. Or then like I would always look at like the amount of calories burnt to the amount that I've eaten as well. That's something that I always used to do. And I would always make sure that the calories that I burn are like super high. Always making sure that calorie number is always like two, eight, two, like 3,000 calories and like eating under 2,000. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, not, I'm way under what I'm burning. Oh my God, that's one of the biggest mistakes that people are making. <laughs> because that's what I thought I had to do in order to change my body composition. But in reality, it was actually making it so much worse. So exercise for me was the hardest to give up because I love it. I love to exercise. This, like I've never had a problem with showing up to the gym. I don't have a problem with my exercise, quote, quote. I actually did have a problem with my exercise because I wasn't allowing my body to recover. Like my back was constantly getting sore. I couldn't progress in my deadlift and I couldn't really understand why. And like I was so consistent, but my body still wasn't changing in the way that I wanted it to. So yes, I ate healthy and yes, I showed up for my exercise, but was I focusing on the right thing with those two? Mm -mm. It's crazy. As soon as I started focusing on the right things, with those two things, my body composition changed so quickly. And I was like, holy shit, I've been trying to do this for five years I lost my period for what for nothing (laughs) and here I am now like oh my god it's so crazy to reflect back on and this is why I share this stuff with you guys like if you want to be leaned and toned and have a nice physique like exercising seven days a week and eating no calories is not the way to do that because you're going to run into these problems so hardest was giving up my exercise I didn't give it up fully not gonna lie because it was really tough my coach straight away, she was like, you got to quit the gym. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> because I was, I was still so afraid. I was like, I'm eating all this food. There is no way in hell am I giving up the gym. Absolutely not. So we worked together and worked through it. She like gave me some exercises that I could do at the gym. Like, and what we did together was we really just reduced my intensity of my training. As we reduce the intensity over time, my mindset did change because it's, again, building that safety within what you're doing. So initially I was like, heck no, I'm not doing that because I was so deeply afraid of what would happen to my body. As time went on and I decreased my exercise intensity, like my body didn't change all that much. And so as time went on over the months came on, I felt more comfortable, more comfortable with like pulling back the intensity more and more. 
the beginning, absolutely, there was no way. But as I built safety and built comfort and felt okay, it was all right. I reduced my gym to like three days and then I really started focusing on other things besides body composition. I started focusing things like um, my core stability, my mobility, my neck and upper back strength, just some of some energy leaks within my own body that I had to fix. Because like for so long, I didn't have any muscle because I was under eating and over exercising. So I was weak. I was really, really weak and My body was, you know, it definitely had some weak points that I had to work on. So that's kind of how I was able to shift that focus. I started focusing on goals that were not my body. Four weeks before I got my period back, I actually gave up the gym completely. Eventually, my coach did talk me into it and I cancelled my gym membership. God, it was tough. I remember it was so tough because, again, it's all the fears of coming back of what will happen to my body. It's just, but it's like now on reflection and in hindsight and looking back on that, it's like, well, why? Like your body is unhealthy. Yes, it's going to be short-term losses for like exponential gains, literally. And of course, it's easy for me to say that being on the other side now and like having a healthy period for three months and my body composition, like I'm where I'm so happy with it. It's like, well, I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't do it. So that's what I always think about and that's always where I help my clients with this stuff. It's like this is not a forever thing. Like this is something you're healing right now and that's why like in my one-to-one coaching, the first phase of it is repair. We fix, heal our relationship with food and we heal low energy availability states and we heal our relationship with ourself and overcome this fear of weight gain and what will happen if our body quote-unquote changes because once you do all those things, Like I say this all the time, it's like your life becomes free. You're not thinking about food all the time. You're not thinking about how you want to change your body all the time. You just come to this neutrality and it's so sweet. So I gave up the gym for four weeks and then woo, I got my period back. Obviously, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, it's because I gave up the gym. It's because of this, because of that. It's like, I think it's like an accumulation of everything that I did for the, like since May to December that got it back. Now I want to talk about stress because this is definitely something that I honestly believe that helped me the most. And I want to talk about not just stress, but I'm talking about mindset in general, is that healing my relationship with myself, healing my relationship with my body and learning how to actually love and respect my body and not exercising and eating because I hated it. Because when you making that flip is so important because it's now, it's not because I have to. I don't have to exercise this way. I don't have to eat this thing. It's now I get to fuel my body. I get to respect my body. I get to exercise and from a place of empowerment to get strong and to get fit and to feel freaking phenomenal not to make it smaller. And the mental shift that you get from that is truly life-changing. So how the hell did I heal this relationship with my body? The first thing was I had to get rid of body checking. Body checking, all that is, is literally like looking at your reflection every single time you see it in a mirror, in a car door, in a shop front, 
and you're checking it out and you're telling yourself how fat you look or how big your stomach is, that had to go. That was really hard because that was such an ingrained habit that I had. But I was, it was something that I had to be committed to and I was disciplined on it to stop it. The next thing was learning how to accept who I am. My body for what it is. Because at the end of the day, it's like you got what your mama gave you and that is a good thing. We are in a world where there is so much societal, beautiful ideals that we stand there and we compare ourselves to. I don't look like her, so that means I'm wrong. My stomach doesn't look like Kim K, so that means I'm wrong. My booty doesn't look like Beyonce's, so that makes mine bad. When in reality, it doesn't make us bad. We're making it mean it to be bad based off comparison. So that was the biggest thing. I stopped comparing myself to every single person in this world and I started comparing myself to myself. Am I better than the day that I was yesterday? As in emotionally. This is when I got into journaling and I say this all the time, say to my clients, I really encourage them to do it. I'm going to force anyone to do anything. If you want to change your life, you've got to take action. And journaling is something that has really transformed my life in terms of writing down what I'm grateful for every day and affirmations in and around the things that I was particularly struggling in. So for me, I was just, I was afraid of food. I was afraid of food because it was going to make me fat. So I had to change my story of food is not bad, calories is not bad. I had to change the story of food is fuel. I remember writing that down in my diary like literally every single day. Because the thing is, it's like these things are hardwired into our brain, right? It's how do we learn it in the first place is through repetition, repetition, repetition. So how do we have to change it? Same thing, repetition, repetition, repetition. So journaling in terms of affirmations, being grateful, and then, of course, being grateful for what my body does for me. Really being grateful for the way my body, you know, shows up in the gym, the way my body like carries me through life, like being able to go for a surf or going to the gym or going for a walk, like just being grateful for what my body does for me. The next thing that I had to do is learn how to manage my emotions. (laughs) Definitely. I had no idea how to regulate my emotions. I would just get angry and I would either go to food. So definitely had a lot of emotional eating going on. Or I would go and do hit, go and do exercise. Because what was I doing? I was avoiding the emotion that I was feeling. And then I was getting that rush of dopamine from those things of the food, the sugar, or the release from exercise, from the endorphins. It's I was avoiding how I was feeling and I was, you know, getting that instant gratification from those activities instead of being able to sit and feel and move on so I learned how to deal with the emotions I learned the difference between emotional eating and actual physical hunger I learned the difference between when I had to sit and rest and I learned the difference between when I actually had to um, go and work out self-care is such a big thing here in terms of stress management and self-care is not just 
you know, doing face masks and doing a bath, like that's fantastic. But it's also really important to learn how to manage your emotions. Like that is self-care. Being able to stick up for yourself, being able to set healthy boundaries, be able to say your truth without having to people please, right? Like that is also self-care because the emotional turmoil that does to you, especially as a perfectionist, is fucking hard. So slowing down and increasing my self-care activities and these activities had to be nothing to do with exercise or nutrition. It's it's funny that I say that because it sounds a little bit contradictory, but one of the biggest things that I got into personally was that's when I started taking photos of food. That's when green well-being really started because I love to cook. I love, love, love cooking and I love, love, love food. But for me, cooking is like therapeutic. It's where I get to be creative and I get to have all these colors from all these different foods and I get to have all these flavors and textures and I just absolutely love it. So that's actually, this is like how my Instagram account all started back in the days when I was really sharing these wholesome recipes that were always so balanced and all well-fueled. So that's where like I started doing this hobby and I absolutely loved it. I also started reading as well that was really good one of the biggest things is I started hanging out with my friends more oh my god something I avoided for a long time because of the food and the calories and I just yeah started being myself again I started you know doing things that I loved hanging around with more people and being social and going out for a beer and going out for a burger and things like that like doing self-care that's you know fulfilling all of my human needs and not just staying at home being afraid like the biggest barrier for me honestly with all of this with getting my period back was absolutely the fear of weight gain what would happen to me if I gained weight because in my head what I was making that mean once upon a time is that I was ugly I was unlovable and that no one would accept me if my body looked a certain way but Actually, what was really happening was that I didn't love myself and that was the issue because now in hindsight and looking back at all of it is that gaining weight changed my life. Gaining weight was the best thing that I ever did for myself and for so long I was so terrified of it but what I gained from it is a thriving relationship where we're intimate, we connect and we just, it's so beautiful. And I gained travel where I'm no longer stressing about how I have to find a healthy option. And just like eating whatever the hell I want and social friendships that are like so deep and beautiful and your soul just, you know, when you hang out with people that you just get so recharged from and you feel so fantastic about it and like just all-round confidence within myself, things like being able to start a business, things like to be able to sit here and record this podcast for you. Like we think it's so much about our body, but it's really not. It's the overflow of everything else you gain from it is what makes everything so fucking worth it. So if you are, I'm here to tell you that gaining weight is a good thing. Yes, who am I to believe gaining weight is a good thing? However, how it has changed my life is I wish that everyone could feel this way. I read this statistic that like 80% of women in Australia do not like their bodies. And I was like, 
it honestly breaks my heart because like I absolutely used to be one of them. I know exactly how it feels, but to actually be on the other side of it and actually stand there in the mirror and be like, holy fuck, I look good is mind blowing. And this is the thing that I want for every single person in this world of having this being fit and being lean and toned with their body, but also having this ultimate freedom with their food. There was one question that did come up with all of this is that, is it normal to binge in recovery? And that's the thing with this. It's just like, there is no right or wrong. We create right or wrongs with everything that we've learned and everything that we've been told during this life, right? So like, absolutely, like there is a right way of doing it in terms of you need to be in a energy surplus and it depends, right? Like why you're binge eating, if you're binge eating because you're restricting or if you're binge eating because you're not eating enough or if you're telling yourself you can't have something, then those things absolutely still need to be healed, right? So, yeah, it's normal to binge in recovery, but then we have to, like, explore, like, why is the binge eating still occurring? Is it because you're not eating enough? Is it because you've got these rules? Like, it's really important because... I like to say like having a binge is like your body is still trying to tell you something and you're not listening. There is a lesson right there. It's a warning sign. It's a red flag to take action on something that needs to be healed. If you just have a binge and you don't really change anything or do anything or explore why it's happening, then it's probably going to happen again. And that's why we need to take these moments of like, okay, cool. I binged. Why? need to understand why it happened. Was it emotional reasons? Was it because you hadn't eaten enough that day? Was it because it was like you did more exercise than you normally would? Is it because you literally, like it's Monday and you're telling yourself you can't have the cookies because what happened on the weekend and then you have a cookie and then you can't stop eating them, right? But we have to understand why it's specifically happening for you so then you can fix why it's happening. Like tailored specific advice is really, really important. All right, guys, like always, I freaking love you and I appreciate you for being here. And I will see you guys all in the next episode. Don't forget, on Wednesdays, I'm going live every week. So if you guys have questions or you have topics you want me to talk about, send me a DM. I've been talking to so many of you guys now in the DMs and I'm loving it. I love talking to you all. Um, So yeah, don't be shy. Send me a DM. Like always, if you love the episode, please share this on your Instagram story because do you know how many women don't realize that having a period is not healthy? There are so many. This is something that we need to rise and conquer together. So until next week, guys. Bye. The number one challenge that all my clients face before we start working together is a lack of clarity on how much and what to eat to lose weight. Often they are making two huge mistakes, constantly trying to skip meals or eat under 1600 calories. Secondly, only allowing themselves bad foods like chocolate on the weekend, but end up binging all to tell themselves they're gonna start again on Monday. If you feel like you have tried every diet under the sun and still can't figure out what to eat to achieve your weight loss goals, Take my free two-minute quiz. You can find the link in the show notes down below. And it will help you figure out exactly what you're doing wrong with your nutrition and exercise and exactly what to do to fix it 
so that you can finally be confident in your body and achieve your weight loss goals.